0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio
1: app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show.
2: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: We're back for hour number two of Fantasy Sports today with a preview of the LSU-Clemson National Championship game, also baseball to get to in this hour, as Fantasy Sports Today, hour two, starts now.
2: is Sports Today.
0: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Pizapia. If you missed any of our first hour, just hit that rewind button. If you're listening on demand, as we touched on all of the NFL games, the fantasy ramifications, the reality ramifications, some sports wagering involved as well. We'll move on to some baseball coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But first, tonight's game, uh, Clemson and LSU, 8 o'clock Eastern. They'll play this game, of course, in Louisiana, LSU, uh, a pretty significant favorite, five, five-and-a-half-point favorite, maybe six, depending on where you're looking at it, that's for sure. Uh, I'm expecting a great game tonight. I can't wait. Um, you know, Basically, LSU was the best team in college football all season long, playing in the best conference in college football all season long. Clemson has not lost a game in, like, years. I don't even remember the last time they've lost. This was a very similar scenario last year, and I think that, again, for me, Joe, this is where it plays in. Last year, going into this game, Alabama, the best team in college football, a seven-point favorite over Clemson. And what does Clemson do? Clemson goes out and wins the game. Uh, I think the same thing is going to happen tonight. I think Clemson's got a great shot to win this one, but I certainly am going to take the points. Uh, Getting you know five and a half, six points in a championship game like this. Clemson doesn't even have to win; they just have to keep it close or even hit the back door. There's no doubt that Burrow's a fantastic quarterback. He's had a great year. They have a ton of offense. But the one Achilles heel for LSU, as they showed against Florida, and as they showed against some other teams, is LSU can give up some points. And I think that Clemson is a far superior team to Oklahoma, and I think that they will give LSU a battle. People are overreacting to the Tigers' uh, play against Ohio State, which arguably they played their worst game in years. They had to come back and win that one, and Ohio State's a supremely talented team with several first-round picks as well. So I'm hoping for a great game tonight. Of course, I'm backing LSU, so that's my opinion on this one getting the points, getting the five and a half points, but we'll go through some player props on this one as well.
1: Well, I think you're right in the sense that that blowout is just fresh in everybody's minds. And LSU is is definitely, deserve the number one seed. They've played the best football of anybody, the most consistently good football too. But there's something about those Dabo teams that they're always prepared. They always show up in these big games and they would not shock me if Clemson actually won this football game. It really wouldn't because you're right, because they do give up big plays LSU and because they do have the kind of quarterback that can make those kind of plays and I think that Lawrence I wouldn't say lackluster but there's a lot of expectations on Lawrence and early in the season this Clemson team kind of was plodding through the first quarter of games sometimes to the second quarter and then they would turn it on and they would win and that's fine I mean sometimes sometimes that happens to teams that are very highly ranked and highly rated because they start to believe their own press clippings but uh, the second half of the year for Clemson the dominant performances they put on there are equally as impressive as LSU's I'm excited because I feel like the two best teams in football are playing and I don't know if you always get that most of the time I feel like now with these playoffs you're getting that and I like that. I think that was the one thing in college football in the past when we didn't have that playoff system that you weren't really sure if the best teams were always playing. I don't think. Would you say since they put the playoff system that we haven't gotten the two best teams in football squaring off in this game that there was any doubt about that recently since they've installed this system?
0: Yeah, I think everybody feels that way, and I think everybody has felt that way. Uh, but the team that has been favored has not been the winner. <laughs> That's what. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I mean, Watson a few years ago, um, getting you know, getting Clemson that win. Alabama winning and then uh, again Alabama last year being a significant favorite and uh, Tua getting hurt in the championship game and Jalen Hurts bringing him back and Jalen Hurts was fantastic for Alabama last year so uh, you know look it it wouldn't surprise me even if LSU won I am an SEC guy of course I'm a Gator so this is the conference that I pay the most attention to and, and I do think that LSU is the flashier team LSU had the the main game on television every single week. But that doesn't really mean anything when you get to this point. And I think Lawrence is the better quarterback of these two players, too. I think Lawrence, Lawrence has not lost since high school, before high school. He hasn't lost a game in college or high school. I mean, how long is that? Think about that. Uh, let's, let's go through the props here real quick on both these guys, though, by the way. This is fascinating. Uh, tonight, this is courtesy of FanDuel Sportsbook. Joe Burrow's passing yards total. Without me telling you, what would you guess his over-under is for passing yards tonight, Joe? Joe Burrow.
1: Uh, 285. Go a little higher. 292. Keep going. 305. Keep going. <laughs> you said a little higher. Now i going to let's. Well, I, I mean, it's your number. Here. Keep going. What? <laughs> uh, 337. Keep going. 352. Keep going. 374. 365 and a half. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> that's his total tonight. He may go. Oh, I mean, he could easily go over it too. But the, I mean, I imagine, know. imagine any NFL total this year where the passing yards player
1: was three hundred. Let alone three sixty-five. That's total incredibly no, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe I wasn't selling them high enough. I thought the number of the two nineties, like some of the two seventies where I started with. Like that's a really strong number to like start at. You know, my first instinct was three twenty-five, but I said to myself, "No, nah, that's too high." <laughs> so he <you> started when, <laughs> when I went lower in my head. But wow, three sixty-five.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, what does that say to you about? I mean, do you think? <sighs> oh,
0: LSU is putting up. No, four, it's not that. But what about Clemson
1: tonight. on the defensive side? Do you really think they're that bad? Do they give up? No, but, but LSU,
0: LSU's offense is is going to put up points. I mean, they're too dynamic not to. Uh, no, Clemson's defense is really good. Yeah, but, that's what I'm they, saying. But they're going to give up some touchdowns. They're going to give up. It, it has to be. I mean, but this uh, isn't touchdowns. This is yardage. That's why it seems like. Yeah, regardless number. of that. Yeah, so would you I, say under? I, I'd no, say, oh, I'd say over. I'd say over. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I, I let think, me tell
1: you. Get your popcorn ready because if that number goes over, it's going to be. Well, the total is
0: 67. Guy. I mean, think about it. Even if the game is 34-30, that's an under, and Burrow easily can throw for more than 365 easily. Uh, Lawrence is by the way is 295, so they're expecting a lot of yards to to come from him as well. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of the other ones. Uh, Travis Etienne, his rushing yards are at 93 and a half and he's been doing it through the air lately. They've been dumping off the ball to him and he's been catching it. Now Lawrence had that one run of, I think 69 yards yeah, in the last game. His over under for rushing yards is 53 in this game. Not normal, obviously to, to have a 69 yard uh, rush from a guy like Lawrence who is a, is a good runner.
1: don't make any mistake about it, but. No, but he's a necessity runner. He's not like a Lamar Jackson runner. Like it's a different No, he's not, but he looked like a Lamar Jackson runner in that. Well, game but that, that, that's what's always so fun about Mahomes is because I feel like everyone forgets that. And you watch Mahomes run for a ton of first downs in that game. And and you forget, man, the guy's quick on his feet, he makes good decisions, and, and I feel like that's that's the kind of quarterback you want. The you know, Aaron Rodgers would like that early in his career too. Not a not a guy who was designed runs, but certainly a guy that if you got out there in space, you could get the first down to more.
0: Uh, let's, here's some interesting ones too. uh, LSU, uh, Joe Burrow to pass for 400 plus yards and LSU to win is only two to one. Like that's like, that just tells you that those two things are not, they're not far fetched 400 yards. And I hope LSU we're not wins.
1: disappointed. You're really setting me up. I'm like, I want this game to happen now, the way you're talking about it, but like, I, I hope you we're not be. underwhelmed. I just, nah, I you know.
0: won't. Be. it's impossible. There's going to, there's going to be a minimum of 50 points in the game. So it tells Do you, you like this
1: long layover too, where they have the two weeks off. Well, that, that's the only thing that could stop this game
0: from being what it is, just because they'd be a little rusty, not playing for 13 days. But once a good bet is probably the second half over, whatever it is, like when you hit halftime, go take a look at whatever the second half over is 30 and probably get over because that's been happening not only in college. But look at these NFL games. Look how many points were scored in the second half between Houston and uh, Kansas City. Look how many points in the second half between Green Bay and Seattle. I mean, every game, these teams start out slow and then they just pick it up all of a sudden. So, uh, yes, I will be looking forward to it tonight. We'll be watching every play. Go uh, go, Clemson. Hopefully Clemson wins for me tonight. But it uh, certainly wouldn't shock me to see LSU win. I just I just think the number is a little too high. All right. Uh, when we come back next, it's time to dive into some baseball conversation here to, to fantasy sports today. Craig and Joe, back with you right after this.
2: Sports today. And I like football, and I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good.
0: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back with you here for hour number two. Dr. Roto's coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern with a recap of all the games over the weekend Early look at the AFC-NFC championship games coming up this Sunday. Joe and I will dive deeper into that as the week goes on. But let's start off with the fantasy baseball and baseball recap from the weekend. We had some signings here, Joe. So we touched earlier in on the show about Todd Frazier, who signs a one-year deal for $5 million with the Texas Rangers. As it would stand right now, he'd most likely be their starting third baseman. He could also be their starting first baseman, Ronald Guzman, who I love so much and has appeared on a lot of my shows that have known very well. I think he'd be the first one to tell you he had a disappointing year last year. Had to uh, Great defensive first baseman, but struggled offensively. Frazier could be their first baseman too. Let's make no mistake about it. But that will depend on what else they do. He was clearly not the same player as he was in Cincinnati or even with the White Sox show when he went to uh, last year with the New York Mets. But this is basically, I think, a more protection signing for him and probably only an AL-only type player at this point.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. It gives you flexibility. Um, we'll see what happens and how they use him. Like you said, is he going to play first? There's he in a rotation scenario. We'll see. Uh, it was good to see him you know, bounce back and play more games because that was kind of the knock. If you go back you know, 2018, he missed significant time. So the fact that you at know, 34 years old, he's coming off 133 games, That's that sounds about right. He still missed time last year, but I think you look at the fact he had 250, which is the highest batting average he's had since 2015. That's a positive spin. And uh, the, the pop is still there. Uh, we'll see how this ballpark plays. That'll also have a lot to do with it. But I think you're right. This is one of those deeper, uh, you know, when you're in those 20-team leagues, Frazier's a guy because of the position flexibility that might kind of pop out to you because he's got a little power or those AL-only scenarios. So it was a good signing, too, because I think the one big positive on Todd Frazier from a non fantasy standpoint is he's a clubhouse guy, locker room leader. Everybody loves him. He was a big part of that Yankees run a couple years ago, too, when he was playing there. And every, You know, people love Todd Frazier. He's one of those good dudes. And I think that's important, too, because, you know, Texas is still a relatively young team on the offensive side. So I think bringing in a guy like Frazier, a veteran like that, is very positive. And I think they need more major leaguers. I feel like that's something they've lacked in that organization for a while. They've had a lot of guys come up through the organization and play, but having some real solid veteran leadership around them, I think is a big positive. So I like the signing from the Rangers standpoint, from the baseball standpoint, from the fantasy standpoint, I think it's just really hard to get excited about Frazier. Cause you don't know how many games, where, where the at-bats are coming from and who knows they could still sign. I don't know if this stops them from signing Josh Donaldson. It certainly makes it less likely, but uh, look, I, I can't get excited about Todd Frazier playing every day at third base for my fantasy team.
0: Yeah. It's funny a month ago, uh, Josh Donaldson's signing was like quoted as imminent. And we're still waiting here. Oh, <laughs> get,
1: run away from imminent. <laughs> like, that's yeah. never the case.
0: Uh, Alex Wood waited till deep into the offseason to sign. He goes back last night, Joe, to L.A. And a couple of years ago, Wood was fantastic with the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, hasn't had the same success since. So he goes back to the place where he did. It is a very tough rotation at this point to crack, I would think, for him. But there's certainly that chance with Hunjin Ryu moving on. Maybe he's got an opportunity there, Joe, throws from the left side If the Dodgers are looking for that, you know, different look kind of guy in the back end of the rotation. Health is you know, always a concern with Alex Wood, too. But maybe he brings back some of that magic that he had a couple of years ago.
1: Well, yeah, and you're right. I mean, going back to 2018, he made 27 starts for them. Uh, 33 appearances, at a 368 ERA strikeout to walk ratio is good. He had eight K's per nine. That's about where you want to be. Uh, you know, Alex Wood once upon a time was a guy that looked like he would be a front of the rotation guy with the Braves. He had that glorious 2014 season and then, you know, just a lot of injuries after that. And unfortunately, last year, he just made seven starts. He only threw 35 innings. So it's a really good marriage for both. I think for Alex Wood, he goes back to where he's comfortable, where he had his latest success. That's a big positive. And you mentioned, okay, what's the fifth starter spot? Look, I, I think he's basically guaranteed a rotation spot here. I really do because you got Kershaw, Bueller, and Maeda at the top. Urius we'll see how he transitions into the full-time starter role for a full season. I know they signed Nelson a couple other guys too, but it feels like Alex Wood at the very least has the front for, you know, has the front runner position for that fifth starter spot. And I think he is a sneaky ad in a lot of those deeper leagues because uh, if history teaches us one thing, you want Alex Wood in the first half of a season rather than the second when breakdowns and stuff like that starts to happen. So Alex Wood is a nice little late pitching uh, pickup and I've got uh, the labor draft coming up in just uh, what, like say, three weeks right now. So that could be a guy towards the end of a draft. I might throw a little uh, draft capital his way.
0: Yeah. They, they uh, have stripling who they would, you know, clearly use as a starter. They have Dustin, yeah, May. Dustin
1: Mays out there too. They, they have they, options, but they I think have if some. they have their druthers, they'd like wood to win that gig. I think he's there. They probably said to him, look, you go out there, you, you get this job. We'll give you every opportunity to get this job and be the front guy. And then we'll see what happens. Like, he's going to make thirty starts? Probably not. But no, it's it's a so. it's a good idea to bring him in. I think it's getting yeah, enough just,
0: starting pitching in this league. I think fifteen starts sounds about right for him this year. But um, he'll have to prove to be healthy and be effective too. That's not always been the easy case with Wood. Uh, Jed Jerko uh, goes to the Milwaukee Brewers on a one-year deal. Uh, still kicking around in the big leagues here, Joe. He's he's been successful when he's played. Injuries and have just derailed this guy's career constantly. Uh, You know, when he's played in St. Louis, he was actually pretty good at different points. The good news for him is that if you think about going back to 2018, so much has changed with the Brewers. Eric Thames is gone. Travis Shaw is gone. Jesus Aguilar is gone. I know they've brought in Smoke and they brought in Avisail Garcia. And I would think that Jerko is probably still left for the same role in Milwaukee that he had in St. Louis, which is a guy that's just going to basically come off the bench. But should anything happen to Keston Hira, or anything happened to uh, you know to to smoke or anyone that's playing for this team Jerko would force himself into a role. So I guess for the time being, probably an NL only player again. Very similar to the last two guys that we talked about. Maybe would a little bit more value in a twelve teamer, uh, but uh, Jerko is back again and probably a part time player in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, nothing to see here in fantasy. I think even in nl only, it's a scenario where you own two Brewers. Like if you <laughs> if you own here and smoke or you own here and somebody else that you would consider. Well, you know what? Maybe for the bench depth because, you know, you're just looking to to cover yourself a little bit for insurance. I can understand. And then I'll well, they lost a lot of players. There. I mean, a they lot did, of but gone. I just, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys ahead of him. So it would take an injury for him to get significant playing time. So in terms of mixed leagues, this is a waiver wire guy right now. And, and you know, Jerko's had some moments. He certainly flashed the power. We know that he's always had that hard, hard time kind of taking over a job because defensively he leaves something to be desired. So, um you know it's one of those monitor things so it's good to know where he is and it's i'm glad he found a job because he's still i think a decent player at 30 you don't want a guy's career to be over but in terms of fantasy i don't think there's too much to take away here from this
0: yeah i mean he's got a shot to play though i wouldn't i wouldn't rule it out i mean Sogard. i mean moustakas is gone too so mm-hmm. Sogard is their is their starter um you know ryan healy they picked up also um you know braun moves to first
1: I, I, There are a lot of moving the healy signing he kind of hurts Jerko a little, too. Oh, yeah. I I think he opens up.
0: He opens up and you would put his total plate appearances for the season probably around 250. That's what that's what you would guess. But only he's only one ineffective player or one injury player away from playing. So I I think that in an NL only he'll go for two bucks, three bucks. Not uh, not impossible to see that. Uh, Miguel Sano got a contract extension over the weekend, Joe. And I know that his his career has certainly been fluttering around with injuries and ineffectiveness, but the twins are buying in here. Uh, he's going to be that one player that you want to throw one dart at in a league, a lottery ticket type dart. Cause you know, he could hit 30, 40 home runs for sure. The question is what else comes with it? He's had all kinds of injury issues, but the twins buying in here on Sano.
1: Yeah, they are. Sano uh, has been a very frustrating player because the upside and the power is all there. A lot of Sano's issues were also commitment. He would come into camp in awful shape. He would come in not prepared and what you can get away with when you're, you know, at single a and double a you can't get away with in the major league level and i think there's been a bit of a learning curve and i think it's been great for him to have the kind of lineup support he's had in the last year or so and 34 79 76 is a pretty good slash there yeah. I think he will take that to the bank and let's keep in mind he only played 105 games last year so the guy had 34 bombs in 105 games i'm not the big extrapolator he's also never played more than 116 games in a season so if this guy gets to the 100 and let's say 150 benchmark this is a potential 40 home run guy with 90, 90 possibility in that lineup, especially it's possible that's pie in the sky. That's best case scenario. But even if he just played 150 games and gave you basically the same, you know, 80, 80 and 35, I think you'd take that to the bank as well and be thrilled or even 30, 80, 80. I think you'd be loving that. He had two forty seven last year. The on base is really what's important. He bounced back from an awful year of OBP, from the 281 range to 346. So that's a big positive too. He still strikes out way too much in points league. So keep that in mind. But in terms of overall talent, this guy has a lot of upside and he should be a guy you should be targeting for power because he's got in spades and he's only 27 years old. So we haven't seen the best of him yet.
0: All right. We'll take a quick time out on fantasy sports today. When we continue, we'll dive back into some MLB win totals here on the show. Uh, opened up last week over at points bed in New Jersey. And from what I'm told this week, uh, Vegas is going to have some as well. So we will dive into those as we continue our conversation next on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: fantasy sports today with craig mish and joe pizapia
0: and welcome back to fantasy sports today craig mish along with joe pizapia with you here on the show full-time fantasy is coming your way at two o'clock eastern make sure you stay tuned dr roto's got you for an hour on the show today. Lots of great happen- things happening over here on Fantasy Sports Network and on Sports Grid as well. Uh, we've been touching on some baseball win totals over the last week. If you want to go back and listen on demand, we're just kind of piecing them together and taking an extended look at these. So uh, let's dive back into the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is where we left off last week. The Dodgers total is 98 and a half. A little slant toward the under at minus one twenty, which is rare, looking at point spreads odds here, but their over is plus one hundred, so you can get a little value on that. their under is minus one twenty uh i i mean I, I i guess their division is better. I mean, I could say that about this, Joe that's for sure the division is definitely better, no question, but I mean, could you endorse going on an under with
1: the Dodgers? I certainly can't do it. I probably would go over oh, I would go over too i I don't know if they are. The division is better because basically what happened was the Giants, who were at at times competitive last year in the second half of the season, their best pitcher now went to the second most competitive team in that division, which is the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks got better. Right, but don't you think the Padres are are better too?
0: I think the Padres are
1: very much better. I think the Padres could be better. I'd like them to be better, (laughs) but I'm I'm still, I'm still want to see if Lamette can hold up for a full season. I want to still see if, you know, they, they've got a lot of questions. I, I think the Giants and Rockies are the teams you're going to beat up on. But I, regardless, it's very difficult. As long as Kershaw and Bueller stay healthy at the top of that rotation, it's hard not to see them getting 100 wins again. They had 106 last year. This is a high one, but I think I would go with the over too. But look, they're just, the Dodgers are really this juggernaut team. They can't get over the hump. They can't win that <laughs> that World Series but you look at the lineup, the consistency is there year over year. This is the same team they're going to war with the last couple of years and the same team that they've been going to war with basically for the last few. And it, the back of this rotation, like every back of the rotation, has some question marks. We just kind of talked about them with Alex Wood and Urias and all of that. But as a one, two, three, they're still outstanding. They're going to score a ton of runs. Cody Bellinger is one of the best hitters on the planet. And they have a lot of lineup depth, too. And if they add Gavin Lux to this lineup here at second base, we'll see how that makes an impact, too. But there's not one easy spot in this lineup. This this is one of those league lineups. To me, it runs like an uh, American League lineup because there's there's just nowhere to there's nowhere to run. These guys just hit all up and down this lineup. So it's just a matter of Bueller and Kershaw staying healthy. If those guys make 60 starts between the two of them, I think they're a hundred win team again.
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the Diamondbacks are better. I think the Padres are better. Uh, we're going to have to see what happens with the Rockies because losing their one key play. I don't know what direction the Rockies are headed here. That's, that's what I'm curious about. Uh, I don't buy these rumors, and I don't buy all this stuff that's being posted, to be honest. I don't buy it. I, I think that it's going to be very hard for the Rockies to move Arenado. Um, and then the other part of this is, is that what is the Rockies' choice if they move Arenado? Is it to stay competitive, which makes no sense? You're going to trade your best player, one of the best players in all of baseball, and your goal is to still remain competitive. Don't buy it. Think they're tearing down, by the way, if they do that, but we'll see. Uh, And then, you know, clearly, as, as we've illustrated, you've illustrated, I've illustrated the Giants are maybe one of the worst teams, if not the worst teams of baseball going into the year. But the teams in the division are better, I think. Arizona is better. And San Diego is better. And so does that cause the Dodgers to only win 97 games? I don't think so. I agree. I think they go over. All right. uh, The Miami Marlins for full transparency. I don't have anything to do with anything betting Marlins or anything like that because I cover the team. So this would be an opinion based from me. But um, they won 57 games last year. They added uh, Jonathan VR. So you would think that a few wins are coming from there. They added Corey Dickerson. You would think that a couple of wins extra are coming from there. I'm not big on Aguilar. They also have Matt Kemp. I think their pitching will be better. They still do not have a ninth inning guy. Uh, So I will just give a straight pass on the Miami Marlins. And as it pertains to doing things like this on this show, it will always be a pass on Marlins information for me. But I certainly think they'll be better than 57 wins this year, Joe. You don't get Jonathan VR and Corey Dickerson and be worse than that. The question is, Joe, do you think that they'll be over 64 and a half wins?
1: Uh, I don't think over 64. I don't think they've improved by seven games, uh, especially because you want to talk about a division that's really good. The National League East might be the toughest division in all of baseball. I mean, the Phillies, Mets, Nationals and Braves are going to be super competitive teams. At any given night, they're going to run out a pitcher who's arguably better than anybody the Marlins have. Now, the good news is that Caleb Smith did show you some stuff last year. Um, Alcantara is a guy that I had drafted a lot of last year because I saw the live arm. I saw how he finished up 2018. He had a couple really nice starts there, but he's inconsistent still. We'll see what Yamamoto and Pablo Lopez do, but you're right. They've added some more major league talent. Brian Anderson's also a nice player. I don't think he gets enough credit. Now, Farrell took a nice step forward too in development. We'll see if they move these, you know, when they move these fences in what this, You know, really means eventually for the Marlins, but right now it's just, can they gain seven games over what they did last year with this division being so damn strong and the Phillies getting better too? And now kind of, you know, Wheeler going there and just the the pitching got more spread out. It's really tough for them to compete on a pitching platform with any of these teams. So I'm going to say under, but I would say over last year. Yeah, it's uh, it would be a
0: massive disappointment if their number was under this sixty four and a half. and a half. That's for sure. All right. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers and uh, the Brewers total, Joe, is at 83 and a half. So not a lot of confidence here in, in what the Brewers did in the offseason. And we illustrated that in the previous segment. Uh, Eric Thames is gone. And two guys who performed at a very high level two years ago, who, of course, are gone. Aguilar, they traded Tampa Bay is now with Miami. Shaw had a really down year at third base. Mustakas left, Grandal left, Pomerantz left, uh, and, and and the ads are basically Avicel Garcia and Justin Smoke um, and then taking a shot on a pitcher who hasn't pitched in the United States over the last few years. So naturally, Brewers fans are a little upset. They think that they their team has not done enough. Yelich is coming off the injury. But the Brewers have kind of proven some people wrong over the last couple of years when we've said, oh, they don't have enough starting pitching. And they and they really didn't. But they got to the point where they've gotten over this number. Have the masses that have basically been a mass exodus of the Brewers putting them back under 500 this year, Joe?
1: Oh, man, this is tough because I'm that guy every year that says the Brewers can't be this good and the Brewers can't follow up what they did last year. And then every year they prove me wrong. Oh man, it's just one a tough one because you look at this team. Yeah, and it's The same thing I feel like every plan. year. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's eighty three. It's, it, I think it's spot on. I would probably pass it from a betting perspective, but when you're looking at this team from a perspective of of talent, I think the the difference going into this year is you can argue they've lost a little bit of their offensive thump. Now Kessin here is a wonderful player, but it's a second year, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I, Brandon Woodruff was terrific last year. There's another guy that I was very lucky to own in a lot of spots and picked up off the waiver wire. It's just the rest of this rotation. If if Lindblom becomes this guy that just blows people away and carries over what he did in the Asian leagues over here. Okay. Well, well now you've got something there, but it's this, this rotation after Wood, even Woodruff as good as he was last year. Can we count on that again? It's very tricky. I like the things that they did bringing in guys like smoke, I'm bringing in guys like Ryan Healy, I think those were very smart little additions to this team. But man, I, I I just I have a hard time getting to this point again because I look at the rest of this division and on paper, I always feel like the Cubs, the Cardinals, and even the Reds gotten significantly better. So if I had to go, I w- I would like I say pass the number because I think it's spot on. I don't think they're an 89 win team this year. I think eventually it's got to run out. And you know what? This is a tribute to also how great Christian Yelich has been. Because let's be honest, Maybe Christian Christian I mean i I never saw this version of Christian Yelich Nah, coming. nobody I gotta, did. nobody did well, you know what? a lot of people want to pretend that they did. I don't think any of us saw that. I don't think
0: anybody pretends that they do. I have not seen one person
1: I thought he that. was going to be like a batting title guy. yeah, that's when what I, everybody him, I was like this guy can this guy hits doubles, he hits all fields. he's amazing. He's nobody a thought was,
0: nobody thought this um so so the perception is within the division that the Cardinals right now are the same or worse? The Cubs are the same as they were last year or worse. And the Pirates are worse. And I think that's why this number is 83 and a half. It's not that they think the Brewers are any good. It's just that if the division is 20 or 30 percent worse, how can you make them lower than 83 and a half? But I tend to agree with you. This would probably be a pass for me, but I just wouldn't go against them. They always seem to overachieve a little bit. Uh, Minnesota Twins, uh, their uh, total for the season is sitting at 90. And a half, Uh, a clear product, you speak, talking about divisions, a clear product of the division here. Uh, Twins last year got themselves the division. They beat out the Cleveland Indians. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff they're bringing back is more or less the same. They didn't really upgrade anywhere because they didn't feel like they needed to. The Royals and the Tigers are not going to be good teams and the White Sox are going to be better. But how much better is probably the question. So, Joe, probably more than 90 and a half is going to be needed to win the division. The question is, do the Twins win the division this year?
1: Well, this is another stay-away number for me because I think they're somewhere in this. If I had to, I would say over. I think they can get to 92 or 93. But this is another team, too, where the – what What are we getting in the rotation? You know, <laughs> where I like Barrios, but after that, Odorizzi had a nice season. Second half wasn't quite as good. Dobnik, Smeltzer, Homer Bailey, Rich Hill – Dee, this is, that's not enough. So right now, I think that 90 is is te- is even tenuous if the pitching falls apart. They've got to repeat offensively. Now, granted, they have the lineup to do it. Rosario is one of the most underappreciated hitters in the game, I think. Polanco's a tremendous player. Cruz is like the aegis wonder. Max Kepler at the top of the order. This is a really good lineup. And we just talked about Sano in the last segment. A guy who hasn't even scratched the prime yet hitting 30-something bombs in 110 games. If he can get a full season, this is a this is a big-time thumping team, and they're going to have to thump in order to win baseball games because this pitching is suspect at best. Barrios has a lot of pressure on him, and I think they've done a bad job here. I know they were going after Bumgarner, and they couldn't convince him because he'd never ranch with horses in Minnesota. He had it in Arizona, so it was a tough sell, but they need to do something, and they need to do something fast because I think they are grossly underprepared in the rotation for this season.
0: All right, we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today, and we'll be back with more right after this.
2: Fantasy sports today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia.
0: Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia, with you here on the show. It is time to dive in to some fantasy football fallout. That's three Fs. That's like the grade that we get usually on this show when we're done. We get an F. We usually get an F.
1: D. No, C? we do not get an F. We're a fantastic show. We're entertaining, informative, and everything in between. We're the best of the we're The only F here is the F for fantasy sports today. That's it.
0: Okay. That's it. There's a couple of things I want to get to here, but first, let's find the another F. Let's find the fantasy football fallout from the playoffs. So you think that Lamar Jackson struggling in this game is going to cost him in the regular season next year? Do you? Yes or no? No, in I, terms of I, ADP, I, I think, I, to I to think cooler heads are going to prevail and we're going to remember how good he was and not just in this one game He was bad.
1: We will. But there's also a part of me that's also wondering now that you see a performance like that, where the conversions don't when everything doesn't fall into place. It's always magnified when it happens in the playoffs, as opposed. And you know, you know this. We all know this. When a, when a player fails when Clayton Kershaw fails time and time again in the playoffs, it magnifies a little bit and, and you can't carry it with you for the six months of the offseason or four months, whatever it ends up being. I, I I'm still hard pressed in a single quarterback league to overdraft Lamar Jackson. I, I still have a hard time taking him in the first round. I just do it, to me. The ideal spot for him when you get into the second, third round in that spot. Cause if you could start off a team with McCaffrey, a big time wide receiver and then Lamar Jackson, man, that's a hell of a start. Like that's about where I'm real tempted to go that route. He will probably go in many of your casual leagues in the third round. But if history teaches us one thing, and you, a lot of history lessons for you in the wagering standpoint, in the fantasy world, history teaches us these incredible one off seasons from guys, especially quarterbacks, are very difficult to repeat because a lot of teams start to scheme and a lot of teams start to find out what your weaknesses are. And they will continue to find ways eventually to slow down Lamar Jackson. He's still going to be the number one quarterback, but I can tell you right now, the RPV between him and Mahomes is going to be a lot closer than people will think. And if I can get Mahomes as a quarterback in round four or five, I think I'd rather have that value and continue to pound the wide receiver running back class of people. Now, I'm not sure where you sit with Lamar Jackson. It was still a pretty good game from a yardage standpoint for him, even though they lost. But do you sit back now and go, OK, it's been a great year from Lamar Jackson. Do I want to take everything that I've seen, including the playoffs, wrap it up in a bow and say he is still a player that I would take with my first overall pick in a, in a fantasy football draft? and forego all over depth and really have to kind of play from behind there in order to do that when you only have to start 12 quarterbacks in most leagues? You know, you you illustrated this a few weeks ago
0: that made a lot of sense. Um, I, you know, I th- I think Jackson's probably going to go to somebody in the first round because of his rushing ability. You, you just can't ignore that. But I, I think that if you were able to, and the perfect scenario which wouldn't play out, which would be he's a late second round pick and you're able to get him and then come back around in the third with your third player and having Lamar Jackson as your quarterback would be outstanding. But, Joe, I don't think he's going to last that long. I I, I think that he is... He's going to go in the Mahomes range, I think, from last year. And I know he's not going to throw for nearly as much touchdowns as Mahomes, but you're basically
1: getting a second running back in the first round or the second round. And Mahomes didn't return that value this year because he missed some time. And also, also even when he was in there, he had some weird lines where it was like one touchdown for 225. And that was you kind of scratch your hands like, well, that wasn't Mahomes last year because the 50 touchdown season is hard to repeat. These these giant seasons are very difficult to repeat and. With Lamar Jackson, it was not only the rushing, but also the passing touchdowns. It's weird thing think he's going to throw for 35 passing touchdowns again. I don't know. I think everything broke right. And you are absolutely right. We like to call them on the Black Book podcast. We like to call them the Ruben Boob Leagues. Like your, your, your casual fantasy football league. ESPN is going to rank Lamar Jackson probably what? Overall, I, I'm going to guess his overall ranking is going to probably be somewhere. It'll be McCaffrey. It'll probably one other running back and then probably Lamar Jackson. Or it'll be Michael Thomas maybe. But Lamar Jackson, because he is the star right now in fantasy, he's going to be rated very highly. He's going to be really in the top five overall on ESPN and some other major places. And when you're looking at the depth of the position, Watson, Mahomes, um, some of these other quarterbacks that have, that have emerged in these in the last couple of years, and then that will play this year too. You, it's very difficult to justify taking that draft capital and using it that early. And I wonder how what those teams are going to look like when you try to build them, because who are your running backs going to be? Who are your wide receivers? Lamar Jackson is great. But you can have Lamar Jackson and not be a playoff team in fantasy. It's possible.
0: All right, let's move on to uh, to Mark Ingram. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be really off him next year, Joe. They're going to move on from him. Uh, they're going to throw age out there. They're going to throw usage out there. They're going to throw this playoff game out there. He was a monster this year. He gave a ton of fantasy value. Uh, but Hill is there and Edwards is there. And some other options are there as well. Do you think we've seen the best out of him?
1: I think we've seen the best out of him, yeah. I think that's, that's the question is, can it get better than this? And I was the bye-bye-bye person on Mark Ingram this year because all those arguments people said, well, he's not in New Orleans anymore. Well, he's not this, he's old, he's all these things. And I said, look, the Ravens are going to be the most run-heavy team in the NFL. I don't care who the running back is, you want whoever that guy is. And this year it was Mark Ingram. I don't know if it's going to be Mark Ingram this coming season in 2020. That's where you have to slow the train down a little bit and think about it. Okay, now he's had a whole season as being the number one wasn't him and Kamara. It was just Ingram. It wasn't Ingram missing four games because of suspension. It was Ingram for 16 games. And by the end of it, that calf really started to bother him. And although he's still a very good running back, you have to start to be concerned and start to wonder, will Justice Hill be available more? Will Gus Edwards be that guy? Will they bring in somebody else? There's a lot of questions around Mark Ingram. And this was the year to own him because he came at a huge discount. Next year, he will not come at nearly that discount because the stats of 2019 will prop up his value and everyone will say, "Whoa, look, they ran the football more than anybody else. Now, yeah, I told you last year and a lot of other people told you they were going to be the most run heavy team. But now that he's had a year in the most run heavy offense, how does that affect him? The cost is going to be very prohibitive, I think. So I'm probably going to stay away from Mark Ingram unless he falls precipitously and people once again underrate him but I don't think that's going to happen I think people are going to look at this Ravens team they're going to love this Ravens team they're going to love the carries and they're going to think about that more than they think about anything else
0: yeah and uh, I, I think a fair assessment all around on uh, on Baltimore um let's move on to the Vikings here uh two years ago not this past year but two years ago Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs were going into this year's draft being what like wide receiver ones both right uh, yep, I were I, both I, over
1: thousand yards, both over 10 touchdowns, both going somewhere in the late second, early third in that kind of conversation.
0: D- Diggs, the first half was miserable. Um, Diggs in the first playoff game this year was miserable and showed that Phelan couldn't stay healthy. But then all of a sudden when he was, we saw how good that he could be. I think that these are fascinating guys. They're going to go lower. Dr- no question. Phelan's going to go yep. a lot lower yeah. in drafts next year. Will, will there be a spot where these guys have value, Joe, going into next year? Or do you think? That the Vikings game plan, basically this, do you think that they feel like they had a successful season, the Vikings overall, or is this just the Dalvin Cook show going forward?
1: Well, here's the question. Will it be the Dalvin Cook show? Or is he going to hold out in this? Yeah, he, year could the contract? Too. he could too. This yeah. is They've lost their OC. They, Dalvin Cook could hold out. Madison's there. Phelan had a ton of injuries this year. Diggs was, like you said, very inconsistent. Even when he had great games, he would come back with a stinker the next one. This is a real tenuous situation. The Vikings could fall off the face of the earth this year. I, I really think that's possible. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a name who, you know, last year, if we were talking around this time, there was a name that I would give you called Chris Godwin. The name I'm going to give you this year is Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is going to go in this same range as these guys. And I will take Debo Samuel over both of them all day long because I think Debo's younger, Debo's fresher, Debo is getting better as he goes. Debo is the main target in terms of throwing the football there. And he has a secondary guy in Kittle there who offsets it a little bit, and Kittle's a beast. So for me, you're talking about the the kind of wide receiver that's going to be drafted in the same conversation as Thielen and Diggs. And I think Debo is that kind of guy. And there's probably another one or two that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but he pops right away. And I'll take Debo Samuel over both of these guys next year because we don't know number one who the coordinator is going to be, how this offense is going to run. Ken Thielen, after back-to-back enormous volume years sustain a healthy full season in 2016 i don't know is this part of the reason people you know he wasn't undrafted free agent Did people worry about him and the frame holding up and all this stuff but stefan Diggs is another one too he could not be on the team possibly too there's been even rumors in the office there was rumors about him training at the deadline those are going to circulate everywhere this offseason about them moving him too this could be a very different vikings offense in 2020
0: yeah, I don't like the direction that they've gone here. Their defense is great, but when I picture the Vikings going into the year, I pictured you know, 25, 26 points a game. And, and Cousins, by the way, did have a really good year. An incredible but- run. But but I, I think that there's something missing there. I think that there needs to be a little bit more. Um, let's end with this one. And then I want to get into a different subject real quick. Uh, Houston's running back. They're just going to draft somebody, right? Like, I mean, Hyde's not he's not <laughs> Hyde's not going back. I don't think to Houston.
1: Well, um, you know, it's funny. He was good. He was and good. Go, okay, but well, are nah, they gonna cut Lamar but, Jackson, do you want? I mean, Lamar Miller, Lamar, Miller? Lamar yeah. Miller, like they're basically the same guy. So do you want the guy coming off a thousand yard rushing season? or do you want the guy coming off knee surgery? Or do you want to scrap it all? And I go after a Derrick Henry. No, or Go no, no, after no. a no. Draft, uh, pick. draft
0: pick. Yeah, draft pick. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the, Because it also go Melvin Gordon route, too. There's yeah, there's, there's I
0: nah. I, that I think, there. I think they bring back Miller and, and Miller shows he's healthy. Hyde's gone and they draft a guy. It, it would no matter what they do. I think they have to draft a young running back in the third round, fourth round. Well, it's football.
1: a good class to do it in because. Yeah, absolutely. Be
0: you know, I, I think two years ago, if you would have said to me, who was the leading rusher on the Houston Texans in 2020, I would have or 19 i would have not even batted an eyelash and said
1: foreman i thought foreman was going to be really good he was I really foreman was good in college good too. too and he just
0: completely fell off the radar man, so
1: i bought into that two times he was great at because, texas well and it cost you nothing to know like he was one of these guys he was great at texas you looked at you watched the film you go this guy's going to be a stud and i guess was a lot of work ethic issues a lot of commitment issues a lot of things like that and then the health issues did not help and i i bought in hard not once but two years in a row because it didn't cost you much to find out. And I was with you. I thought at some point in time, this worm would turn and it never did. And now he's gone. So now it's, it's wide open again. So I'm in the draft or somewhere else. The Texans need to find some more playmakers because Hopkins is not enough. He's doing everything he can, but you'd need more than Kenny Stills, more than Fuller because Fuller's never on the field. And certainly more from the running back position too.
0: All right. Uh, I want to end with this on the show today. All right. The The Academy Award nominations came out earlier this yes, morning. They did. And I, and I don't need to go through them all, but I will tell you why I'm excited about this. And normally, and normally, um, and normally I, uh, I am not
1: excited about it. You know why, Joe? Um, because awards for art are stupid. Because I've seen some of the movies. Oh, yay! <laughs> <There> <laughs> I you know. know some of the actors. Hey, I know this. Well, it's because of Netflix, right? Because you can see movies on Netflix, and you don't have to leave your house. I mean, I've seen The Irishman. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I, yes, like I've I wish I didn't. It. it was three hours Not, of my life on there. I, I saw back. Knives out like I've seen some That's of the, the one I really want. Everybody who's seen Knives out tells me it's fun. You should it was see fantastic. Yeah, it I was can't great. wait to see that. Uh, like, the marriage movie,
0: the marriage story, a marriage story. I didn't get through the whole thing, but it, uh, I just it was a, like a somber movie. But but that is what Netflix has given me, Joe, the ability that I've seen some of these things. So when the Academy Awards happen and people win, I got a shot of knowing I've done this and I've talked about this on my fantasy shows too. the last maybe five years, six years, 10 years. And every year it's like, no, I'm out. Didn't see any of it. Nothing. (laughs) <laughs> like this year, I've seen some of them. I'm very I, excited. Hey, for that. The
1: only reason I see them is because Screen Actors Guild sends them to me because I still vote for SAG awards. So I get sent the Joker. I've got Bombshell next up on my list. I, I it.
0: I saw Bombshell, too. I took my mom to see Bombshell.
1: Did you like the Bombshell? It looked no, pretty I did. good. I did not like the Bombshell. You did not like it. It no, looks I good. It was I was horrible. curious. Was I'm a big Charlize their own fan. It was very um, boring. atomic blonde was just fantastic. I God, am pumped up.
0: For the Academy Awards, because I couldn't I can honestly say I know some people. <laughs> Craig, like he's
1: all in on the Academy you know, the last few year.
0: years. I'd be like, no, I have no idea what that is.
1: Never saw this. Never saw that. And now I know hey, the actors. You, actress you want to see something fun on Netflix? There's a documentary about the making of the toy line and the creation of Masters of the Universe. I was a big He-Man kid as a kid. I don't know if you were. I had Castle Grayskull. I had all the guys. The creation of the He-Man toy line into the big pop culture thing it became if you're a fan of that, that is one of those fun Netflix documentaries just flipping around. And I found it. I was like, oh, this looks fun. Oh, my God. Is it, is it great? I don't know if you had those toys or not, but I did.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I had He-Man. Yeah, I had um, I had all those guys. They all kind of looked the same, but I did. have. Well, my-
1: they're all from the same mold, which is part of the story. And then they just would change all the pieces. It was it was just fascinating. Something that, like, you know, if you're if you're a big dork like me, you like it. It's it's a good time. Also, that whole the movies that made us. I told you that documentary about like Ghostbusters and Die Hard and how they made those films amazingly fun to watch too they're quick like 50 minutes long yeah um all right so uh
0: that will do it for this show but coming up next we've got our little uh, two minute warning so we'll do that next and then we'll send it over to full-time fantasy and uh tomorrow's show should be a lot of fun don't want to ruin any surprises but if you tune in tomorrow we'll be talking some baseball and football with uh, a pretty significant guest for our show and as the baseball season comes on we'll have a lot of those i assure you If you're listening to fantasy sports today craig and joe we're back after this And welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. As we leave you on the show on Monday, we must leave you with a very intelligent thought. And so, to carry that out with very high level of execution is my co-host on the Two Minute Drill, Joe Pizzapia.
2: The two minute warning. Two minutes. Get your
0: together. Is that going to be enough time? <laughs>
1: Well, that's very high praise, Craig. I appreciate that. But I want to talk a little bit about broadcasting because apparently it seems like ESPN is ready to go all in on Tony Romo and make him the highest paid NFL analyst out there in the broadcast world. They've taken a lot of heat for their bad Monday night team over the years, and they moved Booger McFarlane into the booth uh, after Jason Witten decided he still wanted to play football. And Booger McFarlane knows a lot about the game of football and Booger McFarlane gets made fun of a lot on Twitter because sometimes he says obvious things or silly things, but the man does know his football. And now it seems like he's on the precipice of being replaced by Tony Romo, another guy that knows his football. Now, a lot of these ex-players know their football. That's how they become analysts but becoming a broadcaster is a little bit different of an animal. And if Tony Romo is going to be the highest paid analyst and he's already the number one over at CBS, he needs to understand that the word especially does not exist. He uses it often. And as a professional broadcaster now, not an NFL player, Especially is not a word. The word is especially. And and these are little, tiny, simple things that you can correct. But my goodness, if you take a shot every time Tony Romo says especially, you'll be hammered by the third quarter. I believe me, believe me when I say it, you will be hammered by the third quarter. So if Tony Romo does indeed take this deal and does become the highest paid analyst, he has to hold himself to a little bit of a higher standard, too, as should all the guys, because I know they have great preparation. They work very hard at what they do. But at the end of the day, you're a broadcaster now and you have to step it up at a different level.
0: That'll do it for the show. As Joe Pia says, different levels is what we're about. We'll be back tomorrow with another award-winning show. we got full-time fantasy coming up next for my producer, Sean Glastamaki, my co-host, Joe Pia, I'm Craig Mish. Enjoy the college football championship game tonight. We'll talk all about it tomorrow afternoon. Have a great Monday, everybody. See you.